0: Hi everyone, I'm your co-host Rebecca, and I'm your co-host Reach, and welcome to another episode of Embera Island Sayers.
1: This week we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 9, Bitter Work. Aang finds that Toph is a very different teacher to Katara when he struggles to learn earthbending, while Sokka runs into trouble during a hunting trip. Elsewhere, Iroh begins to train Zuko and hopes that he will be better able to face his sister.
0: So, spoiler alert, um, I did not choose this as my song for this week, but I could have chosen work, 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 work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we get into this very entertaining episode, I think, we do have a follow-up to the email that we mentioned last week. Yes. So,
1: my brother Daniel sent another email, and he included a little poem for us, so I thought I would read it out. (laughs) And he said... Sorry my last email was so long Because the discourse was so strong This week I wanted to thank you For renaming Azula's Trio Also here's a pic of my cat (laughs) (laughs) And then he sent us a lovely picture Of his cat Prismo Which we will post on Twitter Because I think Prismo's pretty cute
0: (laughs) He's very cute And he looks particularly alarmed in this photo He looks like Sokka when he's trapped in the the hole. (laughs) He does. You're right, you're right. (laughs) Just a mood for this episode. Well, I think that Daniel clearly wanted to be part of Sokka's poetry society. Yes. He is an English major, so. (laughs) There we go. There we go. (laughs) So uh, let's delve into our poem for this week. I am a little bit nervous because I wrote a poem about Aang. (laughs) Oh,
1: <laughs> don't be nervous.
0: <laughs> and I know he's your favorite character, so I hope that you like this poem. I think that Aang would like any poem written about him,
1: even if it wasn't that good, so.
0: <laughs> That's probably true. Well, like he said in the Avatar Day episode, it's just nice to be appreciated. Yes, so there you go. Don't, don't be nervous. <laughs> All right, here is my poem. Like breathing, air came naturally to me, flowing as effortlessly as the river runs to the sea. I finally emerged from the ice, free again to roam, only for the water to begin to feel like home. After I almost lost everything that mattered to the fire, it should come as no surprise that I no longer aspire. To be so powerful I hurt the ones close to my heart, and facing the earth may be the hardest challenge so far.
1: Oh, that's so sweet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. I wanted to talk about Aang's struggles in this episode.
1: <laughs> he does have quite a bit of them.
0: And so I tried to bring in all the elements, and also all the elements come up in Iroh's conversation, too. So.
1: Oh, yes. Good point.
0: <laughs> it kind of fits in with that, too. So. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this episode because I feel like it's one of those episodes that really focuses on character, mm. and I like those kinds of episodes, personally. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know we're the same, so... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and So we're splitting things up again this episode because we thought that um, the two storylines were kind of separate from each other, so it seemed to make sense. So we start out with Aang being very excited
1: he's so eager and it's very adorable
0: (laughs) yes yes and meanwhile Sokka is
1: wanting to sleep I mean I can't blame Sokka after what happened in the last episode (laughs) he's still recovering
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and then also what happened in this episode afterwards (laughs) Sokka can't catch a break (laughs) no he really can't when I was watching this scene It reminded me of a scene from a movie or a TV show, and I couldn't really think of it at the time, but I think I might have actually thought of it now. I think I was thinking of a West Wing episode, (laughs) where it's a great episode, I think it's actually like the second episode of the whole show, where Josh Lyman comes in, played by Bradley Whitford, and he's very excited um, about something that we don't actually know at that point in the episode. And he says, victory is mine, victory is mine, great day in the morning, people, victory is mine. (laughs) And he's very excited. And then his assistant, Donna, is just like, it's going to be an unbearable day. (laughs) And I think that's uh, the vibe that I was getting from Aang and Sokka. It's like the dichotomy
1: of morning people versus
0: night people. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely identified more with Sokka. <laughs> Me
1: too. I mean, as much as I love Aang, I would not be that chipper in the morning. But he is very, very excited about learning earthbending, and Toph is excited too. I think <laughs> she just kind of like breaks apart her earth tent that she was sleeping in. She's like, "All right, let's get to work." <laughs>
0: Yeah, and he gets all enthusiastic about calling her Sifu, which means master, right? Teacher. Teacher, okay. I thought that was fun because I think it must be nice for her to kind of have her abilities recognized in this way. Yeah, that's very true, especially since we
1: actually met Toph's teacher and... Quite clearly, she knew way more than her teacher ever did, so.
0: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Katara is kind of like, why don't you call me Sifu? And Aang is very sweet. He's like, I can if you want me to. (laughs) That was adorable. I do feel like it would be weird if Aang called her that all the time. It
1: would be, yeah. I mean, to me, it's not. A very like teacher student dynamic between the two of them. Like they always seem on very equal
0: footing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we get Sokka is disturbed again. <laughs> yeah, he's in his
1: sleeping bag. He like stays in his sleeping bag for a large portion of this episode, <laughs> and he's jumping around muttering things under his breath and I said if this wasn't a children's show Sokka would definitely be cursing right now
0: (laughs) I think you're probably right yes Uh, he's just like grumbling it would be like in comics when they can't actually write curse words but they just put up like those funny symbols (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) that's exactly what that is
0: yeah I laughed a lot during that scene again like the
1: character work and just their dynamic is so fun this is when they start to get into like the earthbending training, and Aang is already struggling a little bit, and it's funny that Sokka and Katara are just watching from the sidelines. <laughs>
0: hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Toph starts to talk about the importance of, I guess, like channeling the qualities of Earth in order to be able to earthbend. And she talks about your stance being really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: standing your ground.
0: I did think this was interesting because... So, I don't know that much about this topic. I will preface this by saying. But, so I've been doing yoga um, actually almost every day now for a few months on the YouTube channel Yoga with Adrienne, which is a really good channel. And she has some of her practices, which she calls chakra yoga. And I don't know that much about chakras, but I know that they are associated with specific areas of the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have done one of hers that was a throat chakra yoga. And then I've also done one that was a root chakra yoga. And the stances that... Well poses that we did in that video were kind of similar to some of the poses that Toff makes Hmm.
1: Okay.
0: which I thought was interesting and then I did a quick google and I found out that some of the chakras are associated with elements and the root chakra is actually associated with earth that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting. And then it also kind of came into play a little later in the episode because later on Iroh talks about the belly as being the center of like energy and when he's talking about redirecting lightning. Mm-hmm. And the navel chakra is apparently associated with fire. All right. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. I think that's really
1: fantastic that you bring that up because there's actually an entire episode in this season that deals with chakras and Aang opening up his chakras so we'll get to deal with that in the future and it just I don't know it makes me happy when you like predict things that are going to happen (laughs) or make connections so that's really cool that's
0: exciting yeah i had honestly thought about it before because i kind of thought maybe the throat chakra might be associated with water because it's to do with the throat chakra is to do with um like speaking out and finding your voice and i don't know that kind of felt associated to me but it's not it turns out that water is actually associated with the pelvic chakra so that's kind of to do with reproduction and um, passion and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was something that had occurred to me before and I kind of dismissed it, but I'm excited to know that there is something to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's neat. But so Aang doesn't know about chakras yet. (laughs) No, he does not. That might actually help him here, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. He struggles a little bit with Toph's attitude towards him, right from the beginning. Yeah, he's kind of trying to
1: move this rock, and like he's very eager to dive in. I feel like it's the same way he was with firebending at first, where... He wanted to do all of these advanced techniques, but Toph is like, no, you just need to move a rock first. (laughs) And so he tries and it it doesn't exactly work out. And I thought it was funny that Sokka said, rock beats airbender. And that was a callback to this really tiny scene in the storm where we saw a couple of the air nomad kids playing their version of rock, paper, scissors but with the four elements. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, they'll play it again in the future. I think uh, Sokka and Aang play it, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love those just little touches that build upon the world.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in response to this, Katara kind of tries to take Toph aside... And convince her that, you know, maybe she needs to be a little gentler with Aang.
1: It was very adorable, but also really funny because I was thinking like, Katara, do you not remember like the past two episodes and what Toff's attitude was like? <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to change no matter what you say.
0: Right. Well, maybe she thought that, you know, it was partially to do with lack of sleep, but that's just tough. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a lot of her antagonism with Aang is that he always tries to find like another solution or a creative solution and a workaround instead of just standing his ground and taking things head on. And I feel like I relate so much to Aang in this moment because I'm also a person who tries to find creative solutions. And if something is presented to me with like only one way out, it's very stressful.
0: <laughs>
1: and I said, mm-hmm. maybe this is why I don't like math.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although math, there is some creativity, I think, in math. But um, it is harder, I think, to come up with different solutions to things. Yeah, I identified with Aang in the sense that I also respond better to a more positive reinforcement approach Mm -hmm. in terms of teaching. But I do actually know people who prefer to be taught in a way that is like more, you know, antagonistic, and they find that that works better for them. So, you know, it's not like a one size fits all approach to teaching, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think even Katara is one of those people, just the way she responded to Paku's method of teaching, you know, she kind of took that as a challenge in a way to say, like, well, I'm going to prove him wrong. But Aang is not like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I can relate to that, too.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, spite does work for me, but not so much for teaching. It's more for, like, if... I have a reason to want to prove that I'm better than someone, (laughs) 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 then sometimes that can help me do things that I might not have done otherwise. But in terms of teaching, I definitely prefer just a more gentle approach.
1: To Aang's credit, though, I feel like he has learned a lot since The Deserter and since Zhang Zhang, because he listens to Toph and he actually goes along with like her the whole training montage <laughs> instead of being stubborn and being like, "Well, I'm going to do it my own way," sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. He does seem to be very willing to learn in her way. I enjoyed that training montage. I felt like the only thing it was missing was some 80s music. <laughs> yeah. It so- also reminded me a little bit of um Hercules, the Disney Aww, movie. Yeah. And The One Last Hope. <laughs> Yeah. I think maybe because Toph is a little grumpy, just like Phil in Hercules, so
1: It reminded me of Mulan.
0: I did come quite close to choosing that song for did you? <laughs> our playlist this week, yeah. But I was like, that's two on the nose, I can't choose that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun scene seeing all these different ways that he would uh, attempt to earthbend. <laughs> and while all this is going on, Sokka <laughs> The
1: weird B plot in this episode.
0: Yes, there's a, you're right. It's a weird B plot. <laughs> Sokka has headed out, presumably hunting, and he finds a creature that would be suitable to eat, I guess. Although you wouldn't get a lot of meat off of that creature. I don't feel like.
1: No, you really wouldn't, and I I feel like Sokka always chooses these animals to try and kill, and it's like. <laughs> Like Momo, like why? It's just soccer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's didn't anybody teach you anything about hunting? You feel like he should know from the water tribe. Yeah,
1: I feel like that was a lot of fishing, and a lot of those animals probably have some excess blubber and fat on them. So
0: <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, that's true.
1: He never really dealt with these little skinny animals before.
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, that's probably the case. This <laughs> little creature is so cute. I feel like he's too cute to eat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saka has his hungry goggles on. He's blinded by the hunger.
0: <laughs> that must be it. But unfortunately, things don't go too well for him. Nope, nope. He kind of tries to attack it, and
1: he gets stuck in this crevice, I guess, in the
0: earth. <laughs> <laughs> mhm mhm. It is a weird mishap.
1: But it's just karmic justice, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is because he was trying to kill a baby. You don't kill babies. So, we leave him stuck in <laughs> the earth for a little bit because then we go back to Ang and Toph and Katara. Yeah, so
1: Toph has set up kind of like this obstacle course sort of thing, and she's put a boulder at the top of a mountain and says, okay, Aang, I'm going to shove this boulder at you, and you better stand your ground and not move out of the way. Right, right. Toph is about to kill Aang before Ozai even gets the chance.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. The Fire Nation has been trying so hard, and yet <laughs> they could have just gotten Toph to do it. For real. So it doesn't go super well, because Katara makes a suggestion that maybe it could be adjusted slightly. Yes. <laughs> and Toph takes that to mean that she should blindfold Aang. Right.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Katara. <laughs> Reminds me of that, thanks Obama meme. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks Katara.
1: That did crack me up because I feel like Aang rarely gets mad at Katara, so it is kind of funny when he like uses his sassiness.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and, you know, just goes to show that, as we talked about last episode, he doesn't always idealize Katara. <laughs> right. I feel bad for Katara, though, because she was just trying to help.
1: She was. She was. <laughs>
0: She had Momo on her head throughout most of this uh, part of the episode, which I thought was really cute. Momo was just chilling. Aw, Momo either is wearing a hat or is a hat. (laughs) (laughs) There's no in-between. Momo is a lemur of many hats, that's what you told me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So blindfolded Aang, he feels the boulder coming towards him. And he decides that he is not going to try and earthbend it. He's just gonna dodge it out of the way because he doesn't want to die. <laughs> Understandably.
1: <laughs> right. I think at this point he's kind of done with this. He feels very defeated. He doesn't mm. like throw a temper tantrum or anything, but No, no. <laughs> he he definitely needs to take a break and Katara suggests that they, they take a break and work
0: on some waterbending instead. And Toph is kind of a little frustrated. I think she's very kind of drill sergeant in this moment. You know, she's just like yelling at Aang. Which again, as we talked about, doesn't seem to be the best technique for Aang. Meanwhile, Sokka is having an existential crisis.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's freaking out. He's basically telling the universe, you know, I'll give up meat if <laughs> that means I can get out of this situation. And the little creature that he tried to kill is actually, you know, kind of befriending him and he brings him an apple, but he doesn't quite bring it all the way to Sokka, so Sokka's just
0: sitting in this hole struggling. (laughs) You tried.
1: He did it on purpose.
0: (laughs) Oh, maybe, maybe. He's so cute, though. I I said it before, but like, this little creature is adorable. So adorable. (laughs) You're like,
1: he would never, ever do anything bad in his entire
0: life. (laughs) That's basically me with this creature, yes. He's trying his best. You said it reminded you of a specific scene as well? (laughs) Yeah, it reminded me, if anyone has seen The Land Before Time. Oh, love that film so much. It makes me cry now watching it again, because nostalgia. Yeah, it is very nostalgic.
1: There's a scene where this little they call them flyers in the movies i guess they're like pterodactyls mm-hmm. but he brings littlefoot the main character a cherry and that's just what it reminded me of i don't know why like sometimes my brain just makes these weird connections
0: i remember that scene and poor littlefoot is so sad in that moment cuz i think it's not long after his mom died mhm yeah that made me smile um and he does have kind of like a prehistoric vibe the little creature, I guess because he's like a saber tooth moose lion, so there's a, a little bit of the saber tooth in there.
1: That's true, that's true.
0: It's a cute scene, and we will come back to Sokka. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so we cut back to Katara and Aang, and they're practicing bending, And I just love this scene so much. I feel like it's very underrated. It just makes me so happy that these two always know what each other needs and are really good at talking out their
0: problems.
1: Like, I feel the way they talk things out is very mature for their ages.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I really like this scene too, especially because I think it's nice how they are bending the water back and forth between them, and I think it kind of adds to this element of their conversation going back and forth. And just the fact that they're, like, synchronized with each other and they're on the same page. I think that's really nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really like
0: that. Yeah, I I thought it was really cute. And I also like how Katara talks about air and earth being opposites and like avoiding things and facing things being opposites as well. I just think this episode, and they do it with Iroh again later as well, it talks about the elements in a really interesting way.
1: Yeah, it's really good because she gets Aang to kind of address the root of his problem and how he does have a very difficult time. I guess with confrontation in a way. (laughs) Even though it's more of like a physical confrontation in this instance, I feel like overall that's just not a thing that is an intrinsic part of Aang. So it's good that they, they work this out and they come to a consensus at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think she really helps him work through that. And then there's a really, really cute little ending to the scene as well.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he calls her Sifu Katara. It's just my heart. <laughs> I, I can't deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so sweet. And she tears up. And I was also tearing up while I was watching this because I was like, oh, no. I think it's just so nice that Katara gets that recognition. It's nice for her, especially after, you know, we talked about what she went through with Baku. <laughs> um, right. So just seeing her get that recognition as being, like, a teacher and uh, good at what she does, I think is very important for her. Yeah. And
1: I do think that's, you know, her greatest pride and joy is her bending and her heritage. So I think the little acknowledgements that Aang gives her are very special to her because she is a very strong, sort of independent person who doesn't lean on anybody else, so Aang knows how to give her reassurance and confidence in small ways that aren't like pretentious or anything, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just another example of how well they know each other. Mm, Yeah. That's very sweet. So we then go from that scene to Toph showing up, and she she has a bag which she stole from Aang, and for some reason it has a drawing of his face on it, which I just think is really weird.
1: I guess it was his food bag, maybe, Like that just looked like something Sokka would do, to be honest. Like, let me draw everybody's faces on their food bag. <laughs>
0: Well, if it was soccer, then he's improved considerably since. <laughs> okay, maybe it wasn't soccer. <laughs> since that episode.
1: You're right, you're right. Maybe it wasn't soccer, but.
0: Yeah, it just seems weird because I'm just like, why wouldn't you just put like a letter or something? <laughs> why would you draw someone's face?
1: I don't know. It's, it seems fun to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, she stole his bag of, uh, I guess, nuts. Mm -hmm. She kind of tries to antagonize Aang about it And he's just like It's fine, I'm not bothered by this But then (laughs) But then
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess we should note that he's trying to meditate right now
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true Because even Katara (laughs) tries to interrupt him And he's like, I'm trying to meditate
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that just adds another layer of annoyance
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Toph has taken Aang's staff and she is using it as a nutcracker
0: and I just felt like this was taking things too far honestly. I would have been annoyed if I was Aang like I could feel his pain over how she was using his staff.
1: Right because this is a very important object to him you know he he doesn't have that much left of his culture It was probably gifted to him by Gyatso, so it's a very important tool and kind of sacred in a way, and Toph using it as a nutcracker
0: is just not cool. Yeah, yeah. You're right. But she's obviously doing this on purpose to try and rile him up. Mm -hmm. It's in the middle of all this that they finally realize that Sokka is missing... (laughs) Yeah,
1: I guess it's about sundown, so Katara is very worried, and she comes running up to Aang and it's like, we need to find Sokka, so they split up, and it is Aang that stumbles across Sokka in this uncomfortable <laughs> position.
0: Right, right, and Sokka is, again... In the middle of his existential crisis, and he says, as well as meat, he promises to give up sarcasm at this point, yes. <laughs> which is pretty funny. I feel like because he seems to think that that's all he is is meat and sarcasm, Aww. which I think is very sad because that's not true, soccer. But also, I would be sad if he was never sarcastic again because it's fun and he's sarcastic. It is, it yeah. is. And then immediately he's like, Aang,
1: do you have any meat? And launches into a very sarcastic conversation with Aang. (laughs) That's true, yeah.
0: Yeah, so Aang has a kind of conversation with him, and he's basically like airing out his feelings. Right. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. (laughs) Literally and figuratively. Yeah, and he talks about how, you know, uh, he's feeling uncomfortable, and Sokka is like, Well, I wouldn't want you to feel uncomfortable. (laughs) And Aang is not so great at understanding sarcasm because he's genuinely like, thanks, Sokka.
1: <laughs> Bless his heart. This is when Aang notices the saber tooth moose lion cub, and Sokka introduces them and says, This is Fufu Cuddly Poops.
0: What a great name. I feel like that was the product of Sokka just being like, in desperation mode. <laughs> Stuck in this hole and he's like, I'm just gonna call this thing foo-foo cuddy poops. He does talk about like how he starts to think it's cuter and cuter as time goes on. So
1: Yeah, yeah, they've become friends now. I feel like that always happens with Sokka. Like every creature that he wants to eat, they eventually end up becoming friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's gonna have to become a vegetarian one day. <laughs> like eh? I did just want to say um, there is one thing that Aang says that I thought was interesting because he talks about earthbending and how he thinks that everyone expects him to get it right away.
1: Mm.
0: And I thought that was interesting because I don't think actually everyone expects him to get it right away. Like Katara certainly doesn't, Sokka doesn't really care. Right. (laughs) And Toph I don't think particularly does either and I think it's interesting that he seems to be putting a lot of pressure on himself. I think he's really just talking about himself.
1: Oh, yeah. I I totally agree.
0: Yeah. Because he's used to getting things right away. Mm-hmm. We talked about it briefly last episode that things come very easily to Aang. And so it definitely seems like he's talking about himself, but he's framing it as if, like, everyone else is putting pressure on him. <laughs> right. Which kind of interesting.
1: I do think that is also him thinking about the greater implications of the war and him having to learn all of the elements by the end of summer, which is what Roku told him he needed to do back in book one. So he definitely has this very figurative weight on his shoulders, but you're right, and nobody... And their immediate group of friends is telling Ang like you need to learn earth bending right away and be good at it. So I thought that was a very astute <laughs> observation of how he's feeling in this moment, and that's actually what inspired my song choice for this episode. So
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, my song choice is actually also kind of inspired by the way Ang is feeling in this episode. Ooh. So. But anyway, back to Fufu Cuddly Poops. (laughs) I guess Sokka didn't know that Fufu Cuddly Poops was a saber-toothed moose lion cub. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because apparently they look quite different, too. I guess they do. When we see the mama saber-toothed moose lion, she does look kind of different from her baby.
1: Mm -hmm. Much larger. (laughs) Anyway.
0: (laughs) Fufu Cuddly Poops doesn't have the tusks. Mm -hmm. You see in the mama saber-toothed moose lion that... uh, you know, it's it's pretty dangerous.
1: Dangerous lady.
0: <laughs> she's a da- <laughs> She's another dangerous lady, yes. Yes, yes. But yeah, so Aang identifies this baby, and then they quickly realize that if there's a baby in the vicinity, then that means there's probably also a mother around somewhere.
1: Yeah, and then she, on cue, pretty much appears.
0: And I also felt kind of bad for her, because she's just protecting her baby. She was. <laughs> But uh, she gets thrown around a little bit. Yeah. At least it wasn't too bad. At
1: least it was just air bending and not earth bending.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we get this little sequence where Aang, he tries to distract <laughs> Mama's Saber Moose line.
1: Yeah, he does the same dance that he did in the deserter episode.
0: <laughs> oh, you're right. Now that I think about it, yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: I just love him. (laughs) I just don't understand this idea of, like, dancing to distract people, but, you know, whatever works, Aang. (laughs) And the saber-toothed moose lion comes charging at him, and he stands his ground.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that he doesn't earthbend in this moment, because I was kind of expecting him to. I was like, oh, you know, this is what's going to happen, is that Aang is going to earthbend because Sokka is in danger and that's what's going to make him earthbend. But I like that instead of them doing that, it was kind of that event that led him into being able to earthbend.
1: They didn't cater to our expectations kind of thing, because I definitely think, you know, the first time around I watched this, I think anybody would expect him to be like, oh, I can earthbend now. It's almost like a defense mechanism. Like the avatar state is what he goes into when he's in trouble. So mm-hmm. you'd think they'd they'd pull that with the earth bending, but they didn't, and it was really cool to see that.
0: Yeah. And Sokka is yelling at him to earth bend, like the whole yes. time. <laughs> Because he tries earlier on, he tries to like airbend him out and he tries, you know, other things. But Sokka's like, can you just earth bend me out of here, please? Or go get Toph, who, as it turns out, was watching the whole time. <laughs> the chaotic energy.
1: <laughs> she still has Aang's staff and he decides, you know what, I'm going to be assertive and stand up for myself and take it back from her. And I was like, yes, we love to see it. <laughs>
0: going uh, yeah i mean i guess going back to what i was talking about with with the root chakra it's this idea of rooting yourself right of just mm. being immovable unstoppable force meets immovable object
1: <laughs> yes yeah that was my joke about this episode is that unstoppable force and meets a
0: movable object Toph. <laughs> it's
1: basically the summary of this episode
0: <laughs> basically basically And he's finally able to earthbend once he does that.
1: Yay, I'm so proud. (laughs) Proud mama. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So then he's like, oh, I'll get you out of there, Sokka. And Toph's like, I don't know about that yet. (laughs) You might accidentally kill him. (laughs) That cracked me up.
0: (laughs) That was so funny. The whole thing kind of wraps up with Toph talking to Katara and... (laughs) Katara kind of being like, You tried the positive reinforcement, didn't you? And Toph is like, yeah, yeah, totally. And I thought it was funny because I feel like Katara and Toph, inadvertently, they did like a good cop, bad cop routine on Aang. Oh no. Right? Without even meaning to. Because you had bad cop Toph, who was like, doing the drill sergeant, who was like, you know, antagonizing him. And then Katara was like, helping him feel better. It worked in the end. It did, it did.
1: Yeah. I was just cracking up, like wheezing with laughter because Katara reunites with them and Sokka's like trying to tell her about his existential experience that he had and Aang just interrupts and is like,
0: Hey Katara, look what I can do. I don't know why, that just really got me. Sokka has really been suffering <laughs> lately, I feel like. I hope he gets a good time next episode. Oh,
1: God I
0: don't know. <laughs> No, that's not what's going to happen. No, not at all. Oh, and then I know the episode after that, we've got cactus juice coming, yeah. so. Oh my gosh. It's going to be a rough ride for Sokka.
1: Well, I, it, it always comes back to, like, the fortune teller episode where Aunt Wu is like, you're going to <laughs> suffer, but it's your own fault. That's just Sokka in a nutshell.
0: She was so right. <laughs> she was. <laughs> All right, so, are we ready then to move on to uh, Iroh and Zuko? All right, let's do it. The Iroh and Zuko part opens with just the worst scene. I mean, it's a great scene, but it's also the worst scene, because it's just so heartbreaking.
1: (sighs) It is. It's really, really sad. So we flash to, I guess it's Iroh having a dream... Mm -hmm. But you could also interpret it as him, like, being on the verge of death, and this is what he sees in the spirit world. Like, that's kind of how I interpreted it. Oof. Yeah, which just adds a layer of sadness to it, because he probably had to fight pretty hard to come back. I'm sure he really wants to reunite with his son. So we get this little sequence of him playing with baby
0: Lutan. It's
1: really heartbreaking. I said I was going to tear bend.
0: (laughs) Oh, tear (laughs) bending. That Lutan pretends to hit Iroh while they're playing, but I'm the one who's hitting the feels. Oh, so true. Yeah, it's just really heartbreaking to think about how, you know, I think it's always a particularly sad thing when you have somebody who's lost a kid
1: Mm,
0: yeah. because I think you know the opposite is obviously also extremely sad but it's also the natural way of things right because Mm -hmm. you know your parents get older and eventually they unfortunately don't stick around anymore but when it's a kid you just feel like well that's not the way it should have gone you know right right that kid should have had a chance to grow up and, and you know, uh, get old themselves. It's I think it's really hard. It reminds me of Lord of the Rings, too. Theoden in uh, The Two Towers when he's mourning the loss of his son, Theodred, and it's just so sad. And then Eowyn, like, sings at the funeral and stuff. And then, as you said, I think in your notes, it is worth thinking that it must be hard for Iroh to not want to join his son
1: Zuko is really the only thing he's holding on to because what else you know is Iroh living for at this point it's definitely his love for Zuko that keeps him hanging on and tea (laughs) that's true (laughs) but I'm sure they have tea in the spirit world (laughs) probably probably. (laughs) he could manifest some tea in the spirit world if he really wanted some.
0: Yeah, yeah. But he does come out of his dream or, you know, maybe, as you said, like, near-death experience. Zuko has made him some tea. Some bad tea. That was so funny. I laughed so much because his face, when he drinks the tea, and then he's trying not to let Zuko know that he hates it. So he's just like... It's fine. And then when Zuko pours him some more, he throws it out the window, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. And then they have a conversation about Azula. Right. Yeah. I think at this point, they're
1: kind of having to decide, you know, what are we going to do about Azula? Are we going to be kind of complacent? Or if she confronts us, are we going to fight her? And... Zuko says. I know what you're going to say.
0: She's my sister and I should be trying to get along with her. Ira says. No. She's crazy and she needs to go down. His delivery of that line was very good.
1: (laughs) It was. Yeah. Actually, he gets a lot of criticism for this line in the fandom. Which, I thought it was great that you don't have any of these preconceived notions and were like, good for Ira. (laughs) Yeah, he gets a lot of criticism for this line. And I don't take it in the way that a lot of people take it. Like, to me, it's an important lesson of you don't owe anything to your abusers or manipulators, even if they are family.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way I saw him... Saying it wasn't like we're gonna kill Azula, that's right. not what he's saying. He's just saying that she needs to be stopped because she's insane, yeah, yeah, which is clear from the fact that she almost killed her own uncle,
1: yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you expect him to do after that? Yeah, let's all hug and have a
0: teapot full of rainbows, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sing kumbaya, my fire lord. <laughs> I I don't really understand why he would be criticized for this. I mean, I guess there is an argument to be made about Azula and how she was brought up, which obviously did influence her, but I think we saw in Zuko alone that even when they were kids, there is still a difference between Azula and Zuko.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even if Iroh tried to take her under his wing and tried to be a mentor figure like clearly she doesn't respect or value his opinion Mm -hmm. so I don't know what people want Iroh to do in this situation Iroh is caught between a rock and a hard place (laughs) and he's going to choose to support you know his nephew who has some goodness in him I think
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and what Zuko wants is to be taught- well, he's already been taught firebending, but he wants to be trained in more advanced techniques in firebending. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So they decide to resume Zuko's training so that if he goes up against Azula he'll be more prepared.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I guess we did see Iroh training Zuko a tiny bit like at the very beginning of the mm. show but uh, it was mainly him just telling Zuko to breathe and Zuko being like, whatever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Good summation right there. (laughs) I had a question, though, about... So they agree to resume Zuko's training, and the first thing that Iroh decides to teach him is... I think, is it generating lightning? Is that what he's trying to teach him? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I don't remember if we knew that Iroh could also generate lightning. Because I know we've seen him, like, redirect lightning before, but did we know that he could also generate it?
1: No, I think this is the first time he actually generates it on the show. Yeah.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, that's pretty cool that he can do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's pretty amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's, He's a
1: great firebender. I did think it was interesting that he was talking about how firebending is fueled by anger. Mm. And this is definitely something that will come up later, and that's all I'm going to say about it.
0: (laughs) Interesting, interesting. First of all, he tells Zuko that in order to be able to effectively generate lightning he needs to calm his mind, which we can already (laughs) tell is going to be a struggle. (laughs) It's like, oh dear. But the other thing that I thought was interesting is that when he's talking about generating lightning he talks about like positive energy and negative energy. So, I was listening to this, and I was like, huh, it kind of sounds like he's talking about electrons. And (laughs) here's the thing. I am not very good at physics. Of the three sciences, it is my weakest. And I struggled with physics when I was in uh, high school. And I managed to get a B, which it was my only B. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I always struggled with was trying to understand electrons and electron flow, so this probably isn't going to make a lot of sense, but <laughs> I can try. The one thing that I did remember was that lightning actually has to do with electrons. So electrons, they kind of gather at the bottom of clouds and they have a slight negative charge, and when you have a bunch of them together, then you know it gives the bottom of the cloud a negative charge and then that interacts with the positive charge of the ground, and that's kind of how lightning is formed. So I can't really explain it in more detail than that, but I did feel like (laughs) Iroh's explanation was very similar to that, honestly.
1: Hmm, Yeah, I can definitely see that. He talks about how energy is all around us, and I just think it's very cool that this theme keeps coming back. It sounded a lot like what Hugh told us a few episodes ago in the swamp, and how everything is connected. I don't know. It's neat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is really neat. I thought it was cool that they were talking about nature in that way, and how you could apply that to like scientific thinking as well. I thought that was neat. So they start trying, and Zuko is struggling.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he is. Uh, I mean... It's a very advanced technique to begin with. And then Iroh explains how lightning generation is all about balance. And we all know that Zuko is seriously lacking in that department. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So
0: it's not very surprising.
1: Yeah. Even though, you know, he applied that to his sword work a couple of episodes ago. But I feel like this is more of a an energy balance and a spiritual balance rather than physical
0: it seems like he can't transfer his ability to see the balance in swordplay to his ability to bend there seems to be some kind of disconnect there so basically what happens is he just keeps exploding fire <laughs> in his face <laughs> And it was really funny, because I was going to type, I was doing my notes, and I was literally just about to type, like, wow, I feel like things exploding in Zuko's face is kind of a really good metaphor for him. (laughs) And then that's exactly what he said, because he's like, Instead of lightning, it keeps exploding in my face! Like everything always does! (laughs) At least he recognizes it, I suppose.
1: That's true, that's true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and... Iroh kind of has an interesting uh, take on this because he tries to get at the root, kind of like Katara does actually with Aang, he tries to get Mm. at the root of what's going on.
1: Yeah, he talks a lot about how Zuko needs to humble himself Mm -hmm. and go through this inner turmoil, as he calls it, in order to sort of unlock this bending.
0: And he talks about how shame is a big thing that is blocking Zuko, right? And I liked how he said that pride was the source of shame, not the opposite of shame, because Zuko seems to think like, oh, I'm very proud of who I am. Like, I'm not shameful. It's actually because of how proud he is that he does feel this way, which I thought was interesting, too. Mm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, he talks about how his life has been nothing but humbling lately, but... I just don't think that's true. <laughs> I think the humbling thing that he could have done in the last episode was take Katara's offer to heal mm-hmm. Iroh. Again, he's leaning on himself, and he's not letting anybody else in. And it takes a great deal of humility to let others help you, and Zuko's just not willing to do that.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. Iroh kind of has a lot of words of wisdom in this episode, and I really like the next part, which is, I think this is when he says, you know, maybe instead of learning how to generate lightning, we should try something a bit different, which is Mm. redirecting lightning, because I think the idea is that he can redirect whatever Azula hits it with. Yes, yes. And so he has this really nice speech where he talks about all of the different elements in turn, and he talks about how each one of them has their strength. Mm, yeah, this is
1: one of my absolute favorite conversations in the whole show. <laughs> hmm
0: it's so good.
1: Yeah, I just think it's amazing that, you know, Iroh has learned about each nation and incorporated their techniques into his bending and again we're we're getting this theme of balance and how like you said they each have these incredible strengths that everyone else could benefit
0: from it also feeds a little bit into what we were seeing with Aang right because he was talking about how the strength of Earth is that it's steadfast and like hold steady in the face of adversity so that's kind of cool Mm. and then i really liked what he said about water because we have talked a little bit about how like i kind of identify a little bit with water bending the most and i like that he said that the thing about water was that water is very adaptable to change because I feel like I've gone through so many changes in my life, because like, I have moved countries several times. I, mean. <laughs> um, I moved schools as well, as a result of you know, just moving a lot in general. So uh, I felt that kind of connection with what he was describing with the water. And it's true, because water you know, comes in so many different forms. Like You have you know, water vapor, and then uh, ice, and water in plants, as we have seen. And so um, I, I really liked that kind of explanation of it.
1: Mm, Yeah, that was very cool. And I identified with that and also with airbending, which is the element of freedom. And I think that due to circumstances in my life that I won't get into, (laughs) I very much value freedom over a lot of things
0: more than I did before. So... It was just a great conversation (laughs) Yeah, yeah It's nice when you can kind of apply These things to your life When you can really kind of see yourself In something, it's always good Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah (laughs) I did laugh though when Iroh told Zuko that The Air Nomads had a great sense of humor And Zuko just had this
0: Completely deadpan look On his face (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is not a quality that Zuko has (laughs)
1: I don't know. I feel like Iroh, in a way, is saying these things to try to help Zuko gain a greater appreciation for these other nations and these other elements, and Zuko's kind of sitting there like, well, how does this apply to me, kind of thing, instead of taking it in.
0: <laughs> hmm Yeah. I will say, you also have a very good sense of humor, so that's a a thing (laughs) that fits you in with the Airbenders. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely not absorbed everything that Iroh is saying. As is evidenced by what happens next, I think. (laughs) Because Iroh, he starts to teach him just the technique, right, without actually doing anything. But just the kind of the movements, which is when you see that Iroh has some cool dance moves. Heck yes. (laughs)
1: Aang and Iroh both dance in this episode.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's what Iroh learned from the airbenders.
1: (laughs) Some fancy dancing.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and he talks about, um, this is when he talks about, as I mentioned before, how the belly is like the source of energy. So he talks about how like you basically redirect your lightning through your body, and your belly kind of absorbs it in a way. And Zuko is pretty good at the dance moves. He kind of gets it after a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he does. But then he decides he wants a more practical application of this technique and pretty much asks Iroh to shoot lightning at
0: him. I was just, I loved Iroh's horrified reaction. He's like, I'm not going to shoot lightning at you.
1: Yeah, it definitely reminded me of Eric asking Charles to shoot a bullet at him so he could like redirect.
0: (laughs) Is that in First Class, X-Men First Class? (laughs) Yeah, it is. I've only seen that movie once, but uh, that sounds about right for Eric, to be honest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but in all seriousness, I think this is just another example of how Iroh is the complete opposite of Ozai and that he would absolutely refuse to do anything that even had a slight possibility of hurting Zuko, while Ozai just, you know, fights him in an Agni Kai and doesn't care. So Right.
0: Right. Yeah. It's definitely a very different way to handle Zuko. Zuko, unfortunately, remains persistent and... Even though I always straight up like, I'm not gonna hit you with lightning. He's like, well, fine. So I'm gonna go and find some lightning myself. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and so we end with Zuko being the most dramatic theater kid in the whole world. Yeah, pretty much. He just walks to the top of a mountain and yells at the sky. <laughs>
1: It's hard not to laugh in this scene just because it's it is so dramatic, but like the greater implication of it is really sad and just how lost he is and angry and just full of these very complicated emotions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way the episode ends with him trying to get the sky to basically like rain lightning on him but it doesn't Mm, yeah I think that Zuko has some issues he needs to work through (laughs) (laughs) you think (laughs) and I'm guessing we'll see more of that in the future yeah yeah I mean it's
1: it's that inner turmoil that Ira was talking about he's not working through it in a very healthy way I mean I guess I would recommend, you know, going out and screaming at the sky if you're really that mad and
0: you need to get it out. (laughs) But don't ask the sky to, like, hit you with lightning. Yeah,
1: maybe don't do that.
0: Let's take it a little too far. Just a bit, just a bit. Okay, so that wraps us up, I think, unless we have anything else. I guess just the
1: last thing is
0: I thought the parallels
1: were pretty cool. We talked a little bit about this between the two storylines and how both Zuko and Aang were given bending lessons and had to go up against some of the more difficult things that they aren't very good at dealing with, but Aang prevailed in the end and Zuko didn't really.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think because Aang managed to face up to you know, what was going on with himself, whereas Zuko is still not doing that. He's still avoiding it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that's rough, buddy. (laughs) With that in mind, I don't think Zuko is going to be getting MVP this episode. (laughs) No. Do you have a choice for MVP? I'm kind of torn between two.
1: Okay. So my two would probably be Iroh or Aang.
0: Ah, okay. I was leaning towards Aang, because even though Iroh is great in this episode, I don't know how much he actually accomplishes.
1: Well, see, I have a better understanding of what's to come, so... Okay. Without giving too much away.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would say Aang, but if you also want to include Iroh, for reasons that are not known to me, I would not be opposed.
1: (laughs) I just think the speech that Iroh gives as well with the four elements is really important. I mean, even though it's not like sinking into Zuko's thick skull yet, (laughs) I do think getting him to see different perspectives is very important. If you don't mind editing Aang and Iroh in a graphic... (laughs)
0: No, I don't mind. It's not that bad. Yeah, and then Aang, I think, for the reasons that we talked about, that he, you know, he did a really good job this episode. Not only was he more willing to learn early on, but, um, you know, he worked through his problems, I think, in uh, a really good way. Yeah,
1: yeah. He kept it together, and that's saying a lot, you know. If Toph was doing half the things she did, I would probably just start crying. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah, me too, probably.
1: Because <laughs> that's how I respond to
0: that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a good MVP choice. And, you know, I think that Fufu Cuddy Poops gets the cutest <laughs> player award. <laughs> yeah. He really was adorable. Are we ever going to see Fufu Cuddly Poops again? I'm
1: afraid to say we will not.
0: Oh, that's so sad.
1: Yeah, one one time appearance by Fufu Cutleyfoots. <laughs> he was very
0: memorable. All right, should we move on to our Ember Island playlist? Let's do it. So for this week, um, I'm very excited because I got to pick a song by my favorite artist of all time, possibly, <laughs> and that is Sarah Bareilles. Yay! I'm so excited. Um, and I reserve the right to pick another Sarah Bareilles song at some point because. Uh, <laughs> I love her, so. She is an excellent songwriter, and one of her songs is called Hercules. And it really reminded me of Aang um, in this episode, because it is about, you know, trying to find strength and being in a position where you are, yeah, just looking for that kind of inner warrior, right? So it starts with, uh, I miss the days my mind would just rest quiet, my imagination hadn't turned on me yet, I used to let my words wax poetic, but it melted a puddle at my feet now. And so, you know, it's this kind of idea that you used to have this kind of peace, and now you are exposed to all of this pressure. Well, the pre-chorus is, and I'll breathe again. And then the chorus is, "'Cause I have sent for a warrior from on my knees, "'make me a Hercules.'" And then, "'I was meant to be a warrior, "'please make me a Hercules.'" Yeah, it's this idea of like needing strength and then finding strength in yourself, which really reminded me of Aang. There's also a line that I like, which is, "'I've lost a grip on where I've started from. "'I wish I'd thought ahead and left a few crumbs. "'I'm on the hunt for who I've not yet become, "'but I'd settle for a little equilibrium.'" So I thought that was nice as well for Aang. Oh, love it. <laughs> uh, good, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> what about you? So I also
1: chose an Aang-centric song. I chose Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. And... dun dun thought... dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so catchy. I just thought the lyrics fit really well. Obviously, the whole idea of being under pressure and... Aang feeling this weight on his shoulders, and there are a few lyrics that I thought fit well, like, chipping around, kick my brains around the floor, these are the days it never rains, but it pours. I kind of felt like he was a little bit beat up on this episode, so... Yep, yeah. <laughs> and then another one that I thought was interesting, and kind of applies to Aang's arc so far, is turned away from it all like a blind man, sat on a fence but it didn't work, keep coming up with love but it's so slashed and torn. So I think Aang has tried a few different approaches before and like the first one was him kind of running away from his problems like he did in the storm and then sitting on a fence where you're kind of in this in-between and not really making a very firm decision, but in this episode he really has to buckle down and stand his ground. So that's my song choice for this week. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, that is a great song. All amazing songwriters this episode.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. So this week we had a more character-focused episode. And next week, we have an episode that is actually quite important to you, Rach. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm so excited. (laughs) I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am. So, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, I think in the first ever episode, I mentioned that my first ever episode of Avatar was The Library. And that is next week's episode. I'm just... So psyched. <laughs> it's kind of a weird introduction episode, but I did rewatch it and it's really intense and really slap in the face, but in a good way. <laughs> and it's also quite strange and weird and chaotic. <laughs>
0: Well, I think when you're younger that sometimes can appeal to you even more, right? Just when things yeah. are really weird and chaotic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I was a weird child. I still am weird. But <laughs> like my taste in media was very strange, and so I think this fit in very well with the sort of things that I was watching you know, it didn't really make that much of an emotional impact on me when I was watching the first time. I just thought it was cool. But now I'm like, holy crap, this is an emotional episode. (laughs) (laughs) So the basic premise is that the gang is going on some mini vacations after their hard work in this episode and the past few episodes. And they stumble upon an anthropologist who tells them about a library and they are going to go on this quest to find this library and see if it can help them gain any insight on helping them in
0: the war. All right and uh, that will lead into the desert which is an episode I'm looking forward to and so we have a lot (laughs) of stuff coming up I think some exciting stuff coming up in season two.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: The ball is rolling now. The
1: the boulder is
0: rolling towards us. <laughs> We're not gonna dodge out the way. We're gonna no. face it head on and earth bend it. Heck yes. <laughs> All right, you can find us at Ember Sayers where we post graphics of the MVP, sometimes random pictures of me covered in dog hair, and we will definitely (laughs) post that picture of Rach's brother's cat for you
1: to (laughs) see. If you want to send us a longer form response or anything of the sort, we have an email, emberislandsayers at gmail.com. Please feel free to send us any questions, comments, suggestions, reviews, and we will read them out on the podcast unless you request us not to.
0: We are available on multiple platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, and actually, even if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> if you have an Apple account and would like to leave us a review, that would be awesome, and it helps other people find the show. If you could also rate us five stars, that would be even better. <laughs> and with that, I will tell you all to stay flamin'. Stay flaming, everybody. Diplodocus. What the heck? Not a metaphor, guys. It's literally a bag of nuts. No, actually, no, I probably shouldn't say that on the podcast. Never mind.